freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Warr, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, we continue on from spring training. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com. Scott Service will join us one hour from now. Before that, though, Brant Brown, the newcomer here to the Mariners coaching staff, kind enough to sit down with us here. And uh, bench coach and offensive coordinator. Correct. I My, my giant friend mm. here to my left who uh, played in... Mm. The NFL and, of course, in college, had a uh, he had a pretty strong reaction to that word. What does offensive coordinator mean in a baseball team? Um, it's kind of more of a hybrid role, um, something that uh, Donnie Ecker in Texas uh, mm. has the label of. So it's kind of a blend of, you know, being on the bench and helping the manager and protecting his blind spots, but then at the same time uh, implementing stuff that I've done in the past, obviously offensively, to help coordinate with J.D. and Tommy. Um, more specifically on the game planning side to uh, increase our offensive value for this season. So are we talking wishbone? Are we talking wing T, spread, air raid? What kind of system are we looking at? Pistol. Oh, pistol. <laughs> <laughs> you like the pistol? Okay. Pistol. All right. Yeah. What, uh, what, how will we see that on the field after watching this team for the last few years? How will we see the differences or the effect of that in the, in the offense? Well, um, Wishful thinking would be that the league will recognize our offense as an elite offense as well as our pitching. Mm. Um, and the way we can do that is just kind of bring attention to things that are important uh, to win the baseball game and understanding that each game is going to call for a different way to win that baseball game. And we're going to have to do things within our offense, within the individuality of our players, um, that they're going to have to understand they're going to need to take different kinds of shots in different situations if we're going to win because we don't know which run that we score is going to win it and you got to score more points than your opponents <laughs> to win it and I do think that we have the skill set on this team um, especially with some of the, the hitters that we have acquired but it's going to take some work on all of our parts to understand that winning in the big leagues is tough getting into the tournament is tough and it takes a certain resilience um, and conviction to be able to do that. You mentioned Texas has somebody in that role. Did we see some of that play out last year? Like when you look at what Texas was offensively, do you see, okay, yeah, this kind of makes sense. Obviously, Seeger and Simeon have got some talent too. But do you see them playing stylistically like that to win this game, to win this matchup? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I actually coached uh, – Donnie, when, when he was in A-ball and I was in Bakersfield, California with the Rangers. Wow. Um, but we have stayed, you know, in touch through time. Um, he's a really good hitting coach, um, does a really good job on the game playing portion, um, is creative, but also has a mindset um, on how to basically strategize versus certain pitchers to help the hitters, you know, throughout the game to, to win said game. Um, but, yeah, I, I would definitely think there was effect um, from that position mm -hmm. to, to help Texas. You know, we had heard over the last few years, uh, and Brent Brown with us here, offense coordinator extraordinaire, I like that, and bench coach here for the Mariners. We heard a lot about dominate the zone, control the zone. Is that still a mantra, kind of the umbrella that you sit under, or, or the, I don't want to call it the theology, but, you know, just kind of the, 
the brand that we are going to dominate the zone. Yeah, I mean, on the hitting side, 80% of hits come from inside the strike zone and 20% of hits come from outside the strike zone. Um, I think the big, the big difference on our side of the ball is that we're always returning the serve. Mm-hmm. So I think it's up to us to help our hitters understand what they're good at and what they're not good at or areas of improvement um, to when we do vacate said zone is we're going to vacate it to our strength. Um, and having terms of that at bat, depending on what the pitcher's characteristics might be or what he throws and where he throws it, to where, like, we're going we're, we're gonna to chase some things at times. It's just the pitching's too good. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But if we're doing it on in one area and not four or five, probably have better better probability of a result i hear you say you know whatever it takes to win each at bat whatever it takes to win each game and it sounds a lot different than a lot of the strategy we've heard in baseball over the course of the last decade or so as the analytics have come in and said look home runs or bust right i mean home runs are the only way to score and and strikeouts don't matter and all of that how does your approach fit in with some of the analytical approaches we've seen in the last few years? No, I mean, it's, it's a blend. There, there has to be a balance. There's things that um, analytics can tell us, but then we also have to match that to the skill set of each individual hitter. Um, and if we're going to place our bets on a 5% probability, which is what a home run is, per at bat that's a 95 (laughs) percent non-probability that's why casinos are big um but i do think that you know just understanding what your strengths are um knowing what you want to do to the pitcher not what he wants to do and i will say that analytics don't dock you for winning Mm -hmm. um and it's it comes in different ways you know it's like we said you know is tonight's game a rock fight is it a gunfight like, have to recognize what's going on in the game, what it's calling for. You know, situational hitting is going to be uh, something that's pressed upon because it really comes into play in the tournament. Um, so all these kind of aspects of just, like, understanding what's going on, what type of hitter you are, what are you facing, and what do you need to do to beat it. Was there anybody on this uh, on this team, in this group, that you couldn't wait to get your hands on? that you just came in and said, oh, man, I've seen this guy. I've seen the stuff. I know what he has. Maybe I can help unlock a little something extra that they haven't done yet. Was there anybody you just couldn't wait to get down here and kind of toy with? I mean, I'll be honest. I'm pretty excited to, to work with everybody. Um, that's kind of like my approach. Um, every, every individual is unique. They have different styles. And as a coach, you learn from those styles and that individuality. So I want to increase everybody's value. That's my job. Um, and coming from Miami last year, it was just exciting. I've been in PD with the Mariners before from 2013 to 17, and then I went to LA. So coming back here and kind of almost, I don't want to say finishing what I started, but like I was here right when everything kind of came in and then to see where it's been. Um, but I'm excited to work with every one of our guys. Conversely, anybody seek you out right away and say, hey, I'd really like some help with something or really like to hear a little bit more about this? I mean, they, they already have a really good system in place. So I just started reaching out to players and just talking about, okay, you know, what do you think could be better? And just getting their ideas, getting their thoughts. Um, and then obviously living here in Peoria, um, I was able to come in in the off season, you know, and guys like Cal and Rojas and, you know, uh, Cade, I mean, there were just a few guys here already that we were able just to get to know each other and, and work while they were hitting. So very fortunate to be able to do that. But now everyone is, is here um, working on a daily basis, trying to get better, 
trying to win ball games. Tell me about this guy that we're going to sit with in 45 minutes from your perspective. Because I think you guys were with the Cubbies together way back when. Uh, the guy that's now leading the ship and has done so here for a bunch of years. Give me the Scott Service of the early 90s, mid-90s, and the Scott Service of 2024. Um, well, he's older. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, so uh, Scotty and I played with the Cubs together. Uh, we're actually locker mates. Um, you know, he is very intense, um, takes everything to heart. Um, and I was kind of, at that time, a little bit of his comic relief or just trying to get him to relax from time to time because he's, he's intense. He's a catcher. You know, you kind of have to be. Yeah. Um, and what were you? Outfielder. Outfielder. Yeah. I mean, originally I was a first baseman until Mark Grace signed a three-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> then I was an outfielder. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Um, no, but like thoroughly enjoyed it. We've always stayed in touch throughout the years. Mm -hmm. um, even when I was in LA and in Miami, like we always talk a few times a year. We talk about certain things. Um, when Scotty and Jerry first came back over here, mm -hmm. I was doing like base running, outfield, and bunting because I wanted to like expand my portfolio, get out of hitting. And he was like, You're not doing hitting? I'm like, No. And he's like, Well, you're doing hitting now. So I'm like, Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Um, so we've always had a really good relationship. It's honest. He knows that what he asks, he's going to get an honest answer out of me, mm -hmm. um, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, he knows like what I'm going to say is going to be truthful. And um, we've always respected each other on, on those lines. And we've been friends ever since. How does anybody get a hit? In today's game of baseball, I mean, I just and maybe I'm a little biased because I watch, you know, the clips on Pitching Ninja or whatever, and we only see the very best as opposed to the mistakes that guys sometimes make. But you watch these pitchers, and I, I just—they're all throwing 98 plus. They all have sliders that break 12 to 24 inches horizontally, in addition to vertically. They can move it both ways. They can pick spots. How does anybody get a hit anymore? I mean. Can anyone? <laughs> I mean, do you know? I mean, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not. Um, but there are certain things that you can do within your day um, with what you're game planning. You know, we always just try to tell them that, like, slug is not hit, it's thrown. Um, so with the basic of intent of barreling the baseball, these guys, the hitters are plenty strong. You know, you have, you know, this velocity coming at you, which is another form of force, and the ball does not care about force. Like, it'll take it in whatever way it's received or given. So you don't necessarily have to go outside of your frame to hit a pitch that, once again, you don't know where it's going. You're just returning the surf. And that's why it's tough being a hitter, because the, the ratio of failure to success is just... It is horrible. It's a really bad ratio, you know. Yeah. Um, do you watch? Do you watch tennis? I mean, do you watch Agassi, one of the great service returners, and watch stuff like that with the guys? Um, no, no. It's just something that I just started paying attention to, um, just to make try to make hitters understand that we are gonna make outs, mm -hmm. and that's okay. But if the more times that we can make outs the way we want to make outs, and not the way they want us to make outs. Mm -hmm. It still carries a little sparkle of confidence because you're doing it the way that you need to do it, not the way they're making you do it. Um, it's almost like you're taking control back from the pitcher. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to have some control because they're going to fire at first. But if you stay diligent to your plan and then understand that situations may call for you to change that plan um, and you don't abandon ship, is you're going to lose a lot of battles, but you may win the war. Hmm. 
Are we going to see a bunt this year? Could I see a bunt? Could I see a suicide squeeze? Could I see, uh, you know, some small ball every once in a while over the course of the year? I mean, that's... Why don't you ask the skipper about that? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to put down my notes here. Okay, here we go. Small ball. Actually, you know what I'd like you to ask the skipper? I'm not going to ask him, okay. Rock, but I want you to uh-huh. ask him if we're going to see some hit and run. No, I know that. I'm not going to ask I him. I'm not going to yeah, do it, but okay. I think you should. In fact, okay. it should be the first question yeah, I know he guy. loves. He really oh, likes he a hit and run. Really, really he enjoys really, that. really likes a good hit and run. <laughs> Uh, well, this is great. Thank you. It's uh, it's great to meet you. It's a really it's a really cool deal. I just I love the philosophy. I love the word you use, blend. I think that's really mm. interesting. I think back to Theo Epstein and when he first uh, you know came up in Boston, he seemed to be the first guy to say, "Hold on, I accept the analytics." And the scouting, and I want to try to marry these two groups and borrow from both and accept the legitimacy of both. And it sounds like there's a similarity here, more in terms of game planning on the field, but just understanding that the analytics matter and they're valuable and there's something to it. But you also got to go out with your own approach and, and do things your own way. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the balance comes, it's like as simple as this, right? Is that uh, analytics are going to quantify a result and it's going to tell a story. But in hitting, you also need to study the origin, and it's also going to tell a story. And then you blend those two together and come up with a game plan and beat that pitcher. I want to. I want to hang out with Brian. I want to learn things from Brian Brown. I don't more. think you do. No, I think I, I do. Really don't. I kind of do. I really. I want to learn from you. you. Your mind works a little differently, yeah, doesn't it? That's why you do not. Want to hang out with me. <laughs> Thank uh, you so much. It's a pleasure it. to meet you. Appreciate Congratulations you, on the Thank new you. job. And yes. We'll look forward to talking again. You. There you go. There's right. a new Mariners bench coach and offensive coordinator Brant Brown taking a few minutes with us. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I could see I'm that. very intrigued by that, Brock. I'm not going to lie. That was interesting, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's the delivery and the confidence of the delivery that comes with I don't know, 30 years in the it's not in just the that. business. It was the word choice and there's some like I'm curious how baseball players are going to hear a lot of those words uh-huh. that are very kind of theoretical. I'll They're... tell you what, if I didn't know, I would have thought military. I yes. would have thought like, uh, yes, you totally know, agree. I mean, just the way he dresses, the yep. way he wears the hat, yep. the way he, I mean, just every little <laughs> attention to detail. Were you surprised at all when he said that he was Scott's comic relief? <laughs> a little bit. I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was a little surprised yes. that he said that Scott was the serious one and he was the comic relief. It makes me really worried. About uh, how serious how Scott really was. was in the nineties and two thousands, if that was the comic relief that was going to bring Scott back. To the uh, oh, we're laughing really hard. I don't okay. know if others are, but that's funny. Well, he comic relief for us. Yes. I mean, there you go. Here we are, chuckling away. Scott Service will join us in forty-five minutes. Right now, let's give you guys everything that you need to know need to know 15 minutes past Ooh. every hour with Brock and Salk here's what you need to know up first <laughs> oh man I love coming down here and I love what we get to discover when we're here it just it is a unique experience being at spring training and watching these guys do their work and you know just the vibe that is is you know baseball's different man it has a just a very different feel to it uh, we had an opportunity yesterday to see Julio Rodriguez out mm-hmm. playing catch with Ichiro, which in and of itself would just be cool, right? Hey, here's two legends out there playing catch with each other, but maybe a little bit more important, 
because of the news that came out yesterday that Julio is dealing with a sore left hand. He hasn't been in the lineup yet. It may still be a few more days before we see him in a game. But if you're worried that it's serious, the fact that he's out there playing catch, the fact that he was in the cage hitting, certainly yep. some good news. No, I think as much as anything, what and we'll chat with Scott Service about that in a little over 40 minutes. I think he's just an overworker. I think he's an overtrainer. And, and that's a, a good thing to have. Yeah, and obviously, as he is young and in the absolute prime of his career and everything and thinks he can just swing a pad for six hours and go do all this stuff. And now, hey, Julio, take a little step back. This is going to be about the journey. Remember, Julio's not gotten off to great starts. Nope. Of all of the success that he has had, and it has been incredible, and all of the production at the end of the day, April and May have not been the greatest for him the last couple years, so maybe that plays a little bit into it as well. Again, we'll talk all these things with the skipper, but making sure he gets to the starting line as healthy and feeling as good as possible. Uh, Yesterday they uh, played, and uh, we got to see La Piedra, the Rock, Luis Castillo doing his thing, and it was uh, good right from the start. Through two innings of uh, no-hit ball, allowed just one walk, struck out one, but more importantly was sitting at 95-96, which you did not see from him last year yeah shannon said that's basically what he said yeah like hey are you throwing it harder no just kind of throwing and i feel good yeah and you know what's really great about this place and we say it all the time and thank you thank you thank you alaska airlines for getting us down here and your partnership and all the non-stop flights but you have all these different tools and techniques and every time i come down here i got my eyes on some new technology over there in the weight room and the workout area new sleds but you know what la piedra does the towel uses the towel and he whips that towel more than any other pitcher does you'll see him in the dugout you'll see him around and what do we just watch these first round picks do some of their top talent over here are right here on a wall you don't need a sled you don't need a pitching machine find yourself a wall find yourself a towel because some of the very best doing it still you know get back Pretty to cool. the fundamentals and the basics you mentioned it. the young kids uh, cole young is one of those former first round pick who's up here at his first big league camp and making an impression did it in the field yesterday and then here he is doing it with the bat late in the game as well. 0-0 tie, the pitch of the way, swinging a fly ball deep into center field. O'Donnell going back to the 1-8 track. This one is off the base of the fence. Tucker running third, he'll score. Running third, heading home is Solak. The throw in is cut off, no relay home. Solak will score. Cole Young, the kid, with a double to straightaway center field. Off the base of the wall, drives in two with two outs, and it's now the Mariners two. And the Reds nothing here in the top of the eighth inning. And what an afternoon for that kid, Cole Young. Yeah, he's uh, had a pretty impressive camp. Won't see him to start the year, but he may be somebody that we get an opportunity to see at the big league club by the end of this season. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, John Schneider uh, will meet the media here in a little over an hour at the Combine. They are underway. Thought I saw some bench press reps already. Is that what? right? Did I see bench press? Is Mora holding this information from me? What? Do I get some body fats? Do I get some hand sizes? Do I get some arm length? What? what? Oh, my goodness. Wyman and Bob asked me if you were being uncomfortable down here, and uh-huh. I said, yeah, it was weird when you took out the calipers to start judging people's body fat percentage as they walked Stop by it. the table. People... Dom Canzone walked by when you weren't here this morning. Hey, Dom. Yeah. Come here. I got uh, my calipers. Stop Stop it. It. Let me take it. a look at your pecs. People will believe you. What's the best you? way to build knock, muscle? Knock What's the best up. way to build muscle, Dom? Come yeah, here. That's right. He added 15 pounds. <laughs> what do you say? 
protein. Not, not talking to idiots as I walk by their desk. He said protein and lots of it. <laughs> lots and lots of eating. Maura, you got to shovel me this information during the break. I need to know. You need to know about who's working out and who's throwing up yeah, later. I know who's rest. working out a little bit and not. Though that will happen the on-the-field stuff Thursday. So this is all the interviews, all the measurements, all the medicals the first three days. And as you said, some John Schneider sound that we will get to react to tomorrow. Here's the third thing you need to know. You know, it was a nice win for the Kraken last night. It really was. Moore and I stayed up late. We both wanted was to Was it a sleep. divided house? Uh, I mean, I would tell you that I was rooting for the Kraken. Okay. You'll have to ask Moore who she I was told him for. the Kraken needed it more, but, you know, it's still. Your well, dog I just wanted, your dog I just wanted Pasternak to at least get the hat trick. He I almost did. Him. I know. It was close. a perfect situation for you, though, because the Bruins still ended up getting a point out of it. Yeah. And the Kraken ended up getting two as they win it in a shootout. It was Kyler Yamamoto, and it didn't look pretty at the beginning, but he finished it off real well. Shooter number one. He will swoop in on Linus Allmark. Delay a bit. And score! Kyler Yamamoto makes it look easy. I like that sound, yes. especially when it goes in the net afterwards. Uh, that goal was nice. What was really nice was the one that we thought was going to be the game winner from uh, was Will Borgen tipped in front mm. uh, by who did they end up giving that goal to? Bjorkstrand? Mm. Uh, yes, I believe that was. Bjorkstrand had tipped yeah. it in front. Just say it was confidence. Just, it was Bjorkstrand. It was pretty good. Goal. Yeah. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salt Show. What are you so laughing at now? Get over. Yeah, I was the comedic relief. <laughs> Now, maybe he was. Maybe he was the life of the party, and maybe he was an animal. I think he might be really funny. I think I he might he, be oh, funny in a very subtle way. Oh, I bet he is. I don't think yes. he's loud. No. Right? I don't think oh. it's a lot Dry of... Dry humor. Right. I don't it's, think it's, it's a... It's not the D. Gordon. It's, it's not the it's, Brett Boone. It's not It's not those guys. I was going to say, he's not Chris Farley. No. I don't think it's a loud physical comedy. Yep. I think it's maybe a little bit more subtle and a little bit more uh, Yeah, but as you nuanced. see, by the way, as you see the offensive coordinator, as we did, and you listen to him, I think you understand why Jorge Polanco's here. I think you understand why Mitch Hanniger's here. I think you understand why some veterans are here, and in particular, Salk, some veterans that know what they are and know what they're not. That's one of the things that jumped out to me with him. And, and I know we talk about this when it comes to management or business or different things. Like, do you focus on what you do well, or do you focus on trying to improve what you don't do well? And I think you hear him say really, really clearly right there, we're going to maximize the strengths mm -hmm. instead of just sitting there trying to work on your weakness. Hey, no, 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 man. This thing is very difficult. The numbers are all against you. And if we're sitting there trying to work on all of your weaknesses, these aren't young players. They know who they are. Mitch knows what he is and what he isn't, right? Jorge knows what he is, what he isn't. I think even, you know, some of the other components that round out this lineup, Ty France and a JP, I mean, these guys know what they are and what they're not. And I think you hear very clearly from him, we have got to yeah. land a whole lot more on what these guys can do well Ta versus a Gino or a Teo trying right. to get those guys to play the odds. Which they didn't. And that's not their game. No, you let them do what they do. It's that's just, right. you got to build your team with the types of guys that you want. Uh, texter here, 253. Brown looked military, sounded Canadian. Maybe he's a Mountie. Maybe. Or maybe one of those Ooh. Mounties. Who knows? <laughs> it could be a Mountie. Hard to say. Could it be a Sun City Posse over hey, here. Has Brock, Did you say Meow? <laughs> mounties is so funny. Brock. Yes. Has Titus been mewing? Mewing? Do you know about mewing? No. I heard about this recently, and it's apparently something that 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 guys Titus's age are doing. Titus is in eighth grade, right? Oh boy, has he been? Well, this, he hasn't this been this mewing. Go a different. Okay. Oh my gosh. Apparently, mewing. Okay. 
is like something that you do with your tongue up to the roof of your mouth to try to get your jawline to be a little bit more chiseled. More snatched. Yeah. Is that what it is? What? Snatched. What? What do you mean? What, what does that mean? Feels That's all... as Brock says a term the kids are saying. They say it's snatched, snatched? but essentially yeah. a chiseled jawline. Yeah, you have to mew in order to get your jawline more chiseled. What, what happened in the good old days just putting on a pair of Jinkos and being confident? <laughs> you know? Well, now you well, have, now you that have was to a mistake. <laughs> that didn't work. How would I it. even spell mewing if I were to text house? Uh, you know what? Let's hang M-Y-O-O? on. M-Y-O-O? I don't. M-Y-O-O? M-E-W? M-E-W? Well, that's meowing, though, isn't M-E-W? it? M-E-W? Oh, just M-E-W. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. M-E-W-I-N-G. Are you mewing? Are you mewing? Right. Find out if Titus is doing any mewing. When you told me this, I assumed it was like, because there's all kinds of TikTok videos on how, yeah. like, I assumed on it was girls trying to do it. It's guys, too, that are worried about their jawline being snatched? I think so. Huh. Snatched? Their jawline I being snatched? I can't do this. <laughs> That's what everyone says. What? Yeah. What? What is <laughs> happening out there? I'll tell you, Brand Brown had a jawline that was snatched. Very chiseled. Yeah, yeah very maybe chiseled. he's been doing a lot of mewing. Maybe he does. All right, Brock, you said you've got to find the right type of people to do and uh, and execute the philosophy yep. you say you want to have. System, so. That doesn't just apply to baseball. And I'd like to bring it back to another sport next. I'm Brock and Salk. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Continue on from spring training. Scott Service in 30 minutes. Looking forward to our yearly chat with the skipper down here and uh, seeing his thoughts on what this team is shaping up to be. Brock, as you uh, kind of sort of broke down what we heard from Brant Brown uh, at the beginning of this hour, mm-hmm. uh, you talked about getting system. guys that fit your system. System fits, man. System fits. He's a system quarterback. He's a system player. We need guys in our lineup if we're going to attack these pitchers on a night-to-night basis and go about putting actual game plans together. So it's not just, hey, swing for the fences. Hey, man, you know, it doesn't matter if I strike out. Hey, man, you know, no, no, no. you got to do this in this at bat and play the play this way. And I love that. Yep. And, and I think that will help you love them. That. It will serve us, though. You I think know, you love I know that. you love it a lot. Jeez. I know. This is what you've been calling My love forever. language. Yeah. I've been asking for this for years. I know. Yeah, you're going to be very <laughs> excited about it. Uh, it got me thinking it's not just a baseball thing. And, and I was thinking about the, the whole DK. I don't want to get too deep into the whole trading DK thing. That's not what today is all about. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to think of why that is so compelling to me. And I know that somebody right out right now is shouting at their radio saying, because you're a hot take guy and you're trying to make noise. And, this, <laughs> and that's not true. It's because I want people to do what they say they want. Tell me what you want to do, mm-hmm. and then make your actions confirm that. And if the Seahawks wanted to be a team and said they wanted to be a team that was wide open, throwing the ball, super aggressive, right, I would say don't try DK Metcalf. Build around him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's one of the top wide receivers in the game. And if that's the thing that's most important to you and your philosophy, then you should go out and make sure that you have all the right pieces to 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 succeed doing that game plan. Okay. You can win that way in the NFL. It's not necessarily the way I would choose to do it, but okay. Like if they had gone out and and instead of bringing in Mike McDonald, had brought in uh, what's his name uh, from Ben Johnson, mm-hmm. not the sprinter, but no. the uh, but the Lions coach. If they had brought in Ben Johnson and he was like, hey. We're going to open things up here. We are going to be very different than we've been. We're going to throw the ball, wide open offense. I said, well, this this conversation never would have happened. Mm-hmm. I never would have brought up the idea. 
But when you when you say that you want a team that is built on the line of scrimmage, you know what I think your team should do? It should be built on the line of scrimmage. Okay, and that's where things. your resources are. Okay, two go. things. Back to this, you know, what drove me crazy here with Teo last year was if you are a control the zone team, mm-hmm. if you're a dominate the zone, you know, you didn't have a, an offense coordinator the year before, so that was so much of the mantra. Then Teo is absolutely not ever going to be a fit whatsoever. But what did I hear back? But he's got talent, but he's got really hard hit rate. You know, he's got, yeah, we, we can live with one or maybe two of these guys that, that don't fit. We're, we can't have all nine of them. You know, it's just not realistic. So we're going to take his strengths and, you know, his pop, yeah. and we will just kind of make well, that work. And, and I think what, what, and the I think Mariners... what DK, I would say the same thing. Hold on a second. Is this a need? We need to build our team this way, or is this just the best available talent? Yeah, it, there is there is a compromise because what both John Schneider and Jerry Depoto and uh, Justin Hollander would tell you if they were sitting here is you don't just get to select everybody you want. Correct. You don't just get to design a team like in fantasy and say, well, I want this guy and that guy and this one and yep. that one. There's a real world in which yep. you get to draft where you draft. You get to sign who wants to sign with you. That's right. And you get to trade who's willing to be traded to you. That's right. So there is, there is, I, there I understand. Mar- there are that. market conditions that are outside. Hey, man, I got my philosophy. I yes. got my theology. I got all my ologies. And I would sure love, Salt, to do everything that you talk about and build it all at the line of scrimmage. All that but you know there is a market there is a draft mm-hmm. there are commodities only available at certain spots and you know what i want that talent and, and in, i'll take and, that and talent. In last off season the mariners looked around and said hey Teo's pretty good yep he he's not perfect he's not exactly what we want but it's a short-term deal and we're not committing to it yep. and we can get it pretty cheaply in terms of giving up talent let's give it a shot and mm-hmm. see how it goes and, okay, I like that move a lot more than the D. Gordon one a few years ago where they said, hey, we want to dominate the zone and we want to – and then they bring in a guy who's a free swinger That's who right. with a high ba- – at right. least Teo would take a walk and sort of fit into their philosophy. Mm-hmm. D. Gordon was yeah. the exact opposite of that. And so those are the ones that I think I look at and say – yeah, that's not what you're telling me you okay. want to be. So spin it back then to what the Seahawks and what you want to tell them or what they need to tell all of us over the weeks ahead as we get into the new year. Prove, and- just prove that that's really what you want. You really want to be a line of scrimmage team? Then you can't have three safeties that are highly paid mm-hmm. and no Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. You really want to be a line of scrimmage team? Then it's really difficult to pay your wide receivers and have you know two second round running backs, but not have enough talent on your offensive line. Mm-hmm. I just want them. To, this is the Jimmy Graham thing. You say you want to be a team that is physical and runs the ball, then you can't pay a tight end and give up huge assets for a tight end who's essentially a, a, a big wide receiver. Yeah, I just want to yeah. see them commit to the philosophy that they say they want. And I think that's where people tend to get confused on, mm-hmm. on, on me. They think it's what I want. Mm-hmm. It's not what I want. I don't know how to build a football team. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I'm not going to pretend like I do. But I listen to what they say they want and say, all right, this fits, this doesn't. And if you say you want to be an offensive football team that is concerned with that physical play, you can't trade for Jimmy Graham. That was a mistake. Yep. And you've heard that from Cam, from uh, from yep. KJ and yep. others. Yep. If you say you want to be a physical football team and you want to build it the way the Ravens did a little bit, yep. it, it's difficult. They're not built that way right now. And so a, you've uh, got to make some changes and, and take some risks in order to become that type of a team. On a weird tangent, did you guys see what Jimmy Graham is attempting to do? Yes. 
I mean, is he driving a monkey bu- uh, bike no, across Morocco? But I met a guy who did the monkey run who did that exact same thing. That's what is so he funny. doing? He's rowing across an ocean, and you, the, you row for Arctic. like... Yeah, Not but, just an ocean, the Arctic Ocean. <laughs> but you row for two hours on, two yes. hours off, and you sleep for like 90 minutes No one minutes can sleep for more than 90 minutes. It's incredible. Yeah. This what? guy, did, it took like four weeks for this guy to do it. You lose like 40 pounds. You can tell me Jimmy Graham ain't tough. He's rowing across the Arctic I Ocean. I didn't say Jimmy Graham. No I, I put tough. this in whoa, our whoa, show whoa. email a while ago. I was like, Michael Bennett called him soft, but this is a that, that's why it was more, not you. I, I didn't say he. Well, I didn't say he was soft. <laughs> I just said that he wasn't a big blocker. <laughs> yes, Huge difference. Yes. Yeah, I'm not calling him soft or anything like that. Uh, don't hey, don't you get any ideas? Or, I see your wheels spinning. <laughs> don't you? It. Oh, I ran into a guy. He did this monkey bike, and he was like, Man, "This I monkey bike ain't anything. <laughs> Swim across the Arctic with me and row, and he no also, more ninety minutes of sleep." Same guy did the marathon where you run across a desert and the camels behind you. If the camel passes you, you're out. Oh. You heard about this? I like how Justin just brings that up, like everyone knows. It. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, oh yeah, the, the camel run. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's like a hundred mile, like ultra marathon or something. Yeah, obviously, like, the sure. Sahara. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I just want to clarify that I was thinking about yes. it. It's not that I want the Seahawks to do this, that, and the other i want them to do what they say they want to do and hopefully they're able to to continue to get closer to that ideal as this offseason progresses through free agency through the draft and all the way into next season all right coming up next brock uh read it something yesterday as we continue to talk about one name that is not in camp but sure is presence being felt we'll discuss next brock and salt seattle sports on 710 This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Matt Chapman's not here. He's not been signed by the Mariners. He's not been signed by anybody. He's one of a few big-name free agents that continue to look for a job. And heard over the weekend that Cody Bellinger left that list as he went to the Chicago Cubs. And so I was reading MLB Trade Rumors, which is still one of my favorite sites. It kind of Mm -hmm. predates Twitter. It was sort of like the original version of Twitter where it amalgamated everything from all of the other, you know, uh, reports around the country and brought it into one spot. And it was like the thing around the trade deadline and the uh, winter meetings, etc. And so it's still uh, a a favorite of mine. And, And they wrote a nice article there kind of going through the remaining options for Chapman. They basically said, look, there aren't that many. Mm-hmm. There's only three or four teams where he can fit at all, and none of them are perfect fits from a roster standpoint, from a... Was this one of them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Mariners were one of the four. It was Toronto, which is where he was last year. Yeah. Hard for me to see. Toronto spent a lot of money. Mm -hmm. They brought in Justin Turner. They brought in that other guy last week. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, they've, They've spent over there. Could they do it? Yes. Do I think that they need to do it? Absolutely not. San Francisco. San Francisco is going to be on that list because of the connection to Bob Melvin. But again, San Francisco, an even worse place to hit than here. And yeah. you heard that from Mitch Hanniger yesterday. Yep. And the, as you know, they've, they've made a couple of other big signings this offseason and spent some money elsewhere and have a young third baseman they kind of like. So is it could it be San Francisco? Yeah, I'm not ruling it out. But as you read through this, it sure doesn't sound very likely. Uh, the Cubs were the other team they continue to mention. But after the Cubs made this move, the Cubs didn't even really want to do this. The Cubs were, were, mm-hmm. were, were very hesitant to even jump in here on, on Bellinger, who they knew. Now they're going to jump in on Chapman, who they don't? 
And they also have some guys at third base yeah. that they like. So- I did talk to a, a team executive, and I asked that team executive, hey, those opt-outs, is that team-driven or player? Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's always player. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you ever wonder, it is 100% no, always Teams don't get opt-outs. Teams no. get option years. There you go. Team options. When you hear yes. opt-out, yes. that is essentially the idea of the player saying, uh, I'm doing pretty well. I right. kind of want to go hit, hit the market. Chapman has not had his mega payday, right? This was supposed to be. He went through all of his years. It's just amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at these. Golly, you talk about control. And I know the players in baseball have a lot more, and their association sulk, and their union is so much stronger than the one that I was in. But my gosh, you have to wait and play six years. Yeah, you have arbitration. He's made money, but this was supposed to be his payday. Last year, at some point during the season, when he and Scott turned down four years and over a hundred million from Toronto. I am sure that he and his family are like, what in the world were we thinking? Because right now, these market conditions are not good. Mm-hmm. Not good. And there is not a world where he is going to get a deal that's more than Cody Bellinger. Right? I mean, he's not looking at three years, $80 million from anybody with opt-outs. No, I mean, he's made a little bit of money. He's made I mean, a little bit of money. I, I don't know if you could live off of $32 million in your life. Uh-huh. But he's made $32.5 million roughly in his career. Right. But this is his first shot at free agency. He's kind of did pretty well, $12.5 million the last couple of years in, yes. in Toronto. But this was to be, put yourself in issue, this yep. was to be my payday. Yep. I, Scott, you told me, hey, man, my agent told me, now i got to ultimately make the decision. But you told me to turn down four years and 100 and that there would be better market conditions and situations. Yeah, so he's not going to get that. So no, if, he's if not. you're Scott and you're trying to save face, what, you know, can you do a two- or three-year deal with an opt-out after each year? Hey, if you, you go to Seattle and you give you a two-year deal, and if you kill it after year one, go back to the market and mm-hmm. try, to, try to make that money back. The only problem he has is that unlike Bellinger, He's going to play this year at 31. Yes. Bellinger, I think, is 28, 29. Correct. So Correct. for him to get a mega deal, is that going to come at 32, 33? I think he's in, in a very tough spot. Yeah. So, you know, he may get desperate here sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. And if Toronto's not all that interested anymore, and if the Giants have their own issues, and if, and if the Cubs have now gone out and made their move, it, it could work out for him to fall to the Mariners here. And I, I'll keep saying the same thing about him. Is he perfect? No. Am I the guy clamoring for Matt Chapman? I want to be very clear. Sure sounds like you are, Saul. Nearly every freaking day you're bringing this up for me and more than Justin. Because it's a very real conversation. It's real in this building. It's real in this organization. Yeah. It's real and across it's real baseball. when your eyes look out at this lineup. And I know Mitch said it's the longest it's been in his tenure here and everything else. But when you look out to the field and you look out at everybody and you're like, okay, yep, all right, mm-hmm. yep, st- okay, yep, bona fide, yep, okay, been there, done it, yep, oh. Ooh, third base is a little leaky. Well, because every there, there are vulnerabilities that have upside, right? Luke Rayleigh, I got questions about. I don't know whether Luke Rayleigh is going to be a great player for the Mariners. I think that you know Dominic Canzone, as much as we're excited sure. about what the work he's done, those guys are very unknown. Yes, but you know the upside. I, I think the problem people are having at third base, understandably, is that right now it doesn't look great, and the upside is not that high. Yep. Where even if it works out as an A+, and both players play all the way up or exceed their potential, it still doesn't look like you know an incredible third base situation. And it feels, and, and maybe just a little recency bias as we chatted with the comedian last hour, Brand Brown, that, <laughs> all this comic relief, it feels like... Hey, man, at 31, you probably know what you are and what you're not. Mm-hmm. 
at this stage, if you've got an offensive coordinator that's putting together a game plan each and every night to win that game, probably can go to Matt Chapman and say, hey, tonight, Matt, we're going to need, you know, need to do X. And we're going to need this, you know. Not to say Luis and Rojas can't do some of those things, but sheesh, Salk, the longer we get into this, the longer he sits, the longer that his market continues to fall, and then you just think defensively, right, to win a game offensively, to do the little things right, to, to win a game, to hit the ball the other way, you know, to just to do some of those things that you may require for him. He may be money well spent. Yeah, he's 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 a conversation we're going to have to keep happening yep. having because he's got that kind of talent. By the way, in this lineup, where does he hit? Seventh. Seventh, right? And I'm looking at it last year in in Toronto. You know where the majority of his at bats came? Fifth. Mm-hmm. Next up was fourth, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know a few at sixth and seventh, etc. But for the most part, they were counting on him to be a middle of the order guy. I, you know, it, not that the Mariners lineup is better than Toronto's was last year. I don't know that I can say that safely, but, you know, with Julio and with Polanco and with, and with Garver and with Cal, you've got enough that he doesn't need to hit fourth or fifth every day. He could do it. Yep. And if he's hot, you can put him in there and allow him to kind of, you know, carry the mantle for a little while but or carry the mail rather for a little while. But I, I don't know that you would mm-hmm. need that. So mm-hmm. could he be a better hitter? If he's hitting seventh, could he be a better hitter in this lineup? Yeah, maybe. So if I have my notes right here and more and Justin, help me out here. If I have my notes right, we're going to have Salk ask Scott about starting pitcher. Mm -hmm. uh, His who is really number one is Mm -hmm. um, hit and run. No, no, you're doing that. I'm not talking about hit and run. They're going to get in a fight this year. Uh Mm -hmm. I already asked him that. I know. I I asked him that recently. (laughs) I mean, are we going to ask him whether he agrees that Brant Brown was his comic relief? I'm definitely asking him about that. Um, I got about a hundred other questions. Are you going to ask him about mewing? Yeah, I don't plan to. What is the deal? Did we learn anything about mewing from the text towing? They didn't really seem to know either. A lot of people said you need to get off TikTok. Yeah. But the 253 said you don't have to mew if because you asked about Titus. Yeah. You don't have to mew if your dad looks like a demented Ken doll. That's a that's a P one right there. Ooh. Thank you. I'll tell you what. Today Thank maybe we'll, maybe we'll switch cars have good on the drive. Already. Brock can drive the Jeep that I'm in, and he can really pull the whole Ken doll. Yeah. Off to <laughs> Pop that top off that's too. Really All right. Good. Coming up next, Scott Service, the skipper himself, will join us for our annual spring training sit down. That's coming up next. I'm Brock and Salk Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com.